The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So there are two handouts that you can pick up in the course of the day. Uh, one is um, quotes from the Buddhist traditions about this virtue. And, um, and then the other is a set of reflections and and uh, practices you can do around the perfection of virtue during the month between now and the next time we meet. And even if you don't do them, it's nice, maybe not even nice to just take it home and read it. Just, <laughs> just that is beneficial. <laughs> they could, yeah, Inez puts them up, posts them on the site. So, um, so some of you uh, know uh, that uh, I like to teach that Buddhism has a lot of ideals and that uh, one of the best ways of practicing with the ideals is to study what gets in the way of the ideal, where the obstacles are, hindrances to them. And one of the reasons why that's important is that Ideals might not be real things, you know, for you. <clears throat> it could be you have an ideal to be virtuous. It'd be great if you could be honest, but you never are. <laughs> and so, and so, <clears throat> and so, you know, it's, an, it's not really something that's <clears throat> actually happening, uh, the, the, the honesty or something. But, <clears throat> but uh, the obstacles to the ideal, those are really happening. You know, so, um, <clears throat> so in Buddhism we, we put great emphasis on being present for what's actually happening. <clears throat> and then that honesty or presence, uh, I mean, mindfulness is a kind of honesty. It's like being present for what is. So if you're really lying a lot, then we try to be really honest about that. And that honesty then opens up a process <clears throat> of, of growth, of, exp- of further exploration, of, of, uh, of uh, reflection, but what's really going on here. So, um, so we have this ideal of being virtuous, of being ethical, having integrity, and uh, uh, to try to live up to that, to the ideal artificially, uh, can have problems. You can kind of force yourself into a mold of how you think you're supposed to be, which is not the, uh, appropriate for who you are. I mean, hopefully everyone's gonna be virtuous, but if you have some idea of what that's supposed to look like, and try to f- shape yourself into that ideal, you might uh, miss how you're supposed to express your life and express virtue in more creative ways. And as the man said, you know, there's, uh, there are different cultural ways, there are different situational ways that are, um, where ethics or virtue play itself out in different ways. And so uh, you have to have the creativity and the flexibility to be able to match a situation. And if, you're trying to, if you take on the ideal artificially, then you might miss the, the reality of the situation. But if you look at the obstacles to an ideal, <clears throat> then if the obstacles fall away, those obstacles are probably obstacles to a lot of things, not just for that particular ideal. And there might be an obstacle to uh, greater sensitivity, greater mindfulness to what's going on. And if the obstacle falls away, then you are in a better position to respond more appropriately to the situation. <clears throat> so uh, perhaps the, uh, you thought the situation needed a particular ideal, but actually needed something else. Like if you think the uh, compassion is always good, right? You should always be compassionate. So you're always smiling and 
you know, and being kind and whatever and taking care of people and being very accepting and, you know, everything. And, and, and uh, it could be that's not what's required. Sometimes what's required is to be a ferocious no. You can't do that. You can't hit your brother anymore. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so, um, the, uh, so it could be that so if you have some, some naive idea of you know, the ideal of compassion, you might miss uh, you know, some idea of tough love that needs to happen, for, for example. And so how do we... Um, so, but as the obstacles to compassion fall away the fear or the self-preoccupation or um, the impatience or many things that can happen, then uh, we're more available to study the situation and see more, what, what is really needed in this situation? Um, I don't, what's needed here is not generous acceptance of that kind of behavior. Yes, it's fine, it's all perfect. The perfection of life is expressed in you hitting your brother. And uh, this is wonderful, we can sit here and appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so in Buddhism, there are two sides to uh, virtue, uh, many sides, but uh, I'd like to mention two sides here. A classical one is uh, virtue is practiced through the practices of restraint. The word restraint is very important. And so the five precepts, for example, are precepts, uh, overtly, explicitly, precepts of restraint. We restrain ourselves from uh, harming other people, uh, killing, Restraining ourselves from taking what's not given, restraining ourselves from uh, sexual misconduct, restraining ourselves from lying, and restraining ourselves from intoxicating the mind. And um, uh, for some people, it's very valuable to practice the restraint. And for some people, practicing those restraints just expresses how they actually, describes how they live. They don't go around lying or stealing or something. And so it just describes how they are. But um, there are you know, more and more subtle ways in which we can appreciate these precepts of restraint. And so uh, they help us uh, look at our attachments, places we cling, look at our fear. And, um, and for some people, they protect us very dramatically from um, remorse, as some people said, and other problems that can arise. So there's tremendous value in practicing the, the precepts of restraint. Um, but there's another whole side, and that is, uh, the, uh, virtue is not only a matter of restraint, it's also a matter of giving expression to some of these beautiful qualities, uh, virtuous qualities that, um, uh, that can exist within us. And, and in talking about the precepts, the Buddha uh, 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 pointed to both directions. Sometimes he talked about restraint, and sometimes he's talked about how uh, the other side, the other hand, the flip side of the restraint, is the cultivation of or expression of these qualities. So, for example, uh, this is a description of being a monk. So it's um, it's a little bit different than it would be for a layperson. You'll understand. It has to do with the issue of sexuality. Abandoning taking of life, one abstains from taking life. So that's the restraint. One dwells with uh, one's. Uh, uh, Rod, weapon, weapon lay down. One's knife lay down, scrupulous, compassionate for the welfare of all living beings. This is part of that person's virtue. So here, it's not just a matter of restraint, but it's also dwelling with compassion for others. 
Abandoning the, taking, abandoning the taking of what is not given, one abstains from taking what is not given. One only takes what is given, accepts only what's given, lives not by stealth, but by means of a self that has become pure. This too is part of, it, of one's virtue. So the idea of some kind of inner purity. So it's not just a matter of restraint, but of somehow being in touch with something here called purity. And here, this is for monastics, abandoning unceliblicity, one lives a celibate life. Um, and uh, just leaves it as that. But I can uh, well imagine that, uh, that one can say that instead of, um, uh, in, 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 for lay people, it's avoiding sexual misconduct, avoiding co- sexual behavior that harms other people, one lives respecting other people, with reverence for the, with other people and, um, abandoning false speech, one abstains from false speech. One speaks the truth, holds to the truth, uh, is committed, reliable, and is not a deceiver of the world. So the idea of holding to the truth as opposed to just avoiding lying is the positive sign. And, um, and then it goes on for other aspects of speech. Instead of doing decisive spe- uh, divisive speech, uh, uh, one um, is a recon- one is a reconciler, uh, reconciling those who have broken apart and cementing those who are united. One loves concord, delights in concord, enjoys concord, speaks things that create concord. Abandoning abusive speech, one, abs- um, one ab- abstains from abusive speech. One speaks words that are soothing to the ear, that are affectionate, that go to the heart that are polite, appealing, and pleasing to people at large. Abandoning idle chatter, one abstains from idle chatter. One speaks in season, speaks what is factual, and what is in accordance with the goal and the Dharma. One speaks words worth treasuring, seasonable, reasonable, circumscribed, connected with a goal. So that's all this passage says. For these two sides of, of virtue. Two ideals, the ideal of, of restraint, abstaining, and the ideal of giving expression to uh, living in virtuous ways. Um, so what, what's the, what are the obstacles? What gets in the way of doing this? Uh, what are the challenges that you have of living as ethically as you'd like to live or that you could live? Um, and... Um, uh, what are the obstacles of being in touch with this, you know, what you love and what you most value about virtue? Um, I think is a very important investigation. And as uh, one investigates the obstacles and the difficult challenges in being ethical, I think it's very important to be uh, uh, forgiving or very generous towards oneself, to be able to look at areas of a life that might be very difficult and painful even, things that you regret, things maybe you're embarrassed by or feel a certain degree of, of uh, remorse about that you'd feel that you have these kinds of issues. And but be able to do it with, the, with enough wisdom that you hold it lightly. You hold it without um, feeling guilt or hold it without f- uh, attacking yourself or being uh, burdened by what you look at. There's this wonderful art in Buddhism of being scrupulously... Um, self-reflective, scrupulously kind of honest about ourselves, and at the same time uh, not using that honesty in a way that uh, causes us further harm. 
So some people like the idea of forgiveness, the idea of acceptance, the idea of generosity, the idea of holding ourselves with compassion. There are different words, different concepts that people use. But in one way or other, to kind of be honest and then work with that and try to be better, but not to be burdened by what we see. If anything, be inspired and say, yes, I know I have troubles, I know I have struggles, and, um, and I'm so glad that I have a path and a practice that I, can, uh, that I can work with that, I can try to grow from that and learn from it. Uh, so the last thing I'll say is that uh, Buddhist uh, attitude towards ethical challenges and, and, and the transgressions we've done is not to be burdened by the past, even if it was just a minute ago, but rather um, to be, um, be forward-looking and uh, how can I do better? So rather than be weighed down by what you've done, uh, be buoyed by the commitment, let me learn from that and try to do better in the future. That's another way of holding it more lightly. So um, that's a theme right now, is the challenges to being ethical. And before uh, we break onto our discussion, um, I'd like to hear from Minez, but you probably want to use them. Um, you know, if uh, we accidentally step on someone's foot, we feel bad, you know. So the question is, why do we feel bad? Because we hurt someone and, and we feel their pain? Or because we think... Um, uh, that they think we're klutz, <laughs> uh, or they won't like us. Um, but the working with the, um, we're conditioned the way we are to um, not be virtuous. In the ways we're not virtuous, that's coming out of our conditioning. And so if we just go, keep going without paying attention to it, we just keep stepping on people's feet. Um, and so what we're looking to do is to, oh, I stepped on, on their foot, uh, I caused some pain, and it feels bad in a certain way because we did cause someone pain, but uh, we correct ourselves, you know, next time I'll be more careful where I put my foot. And it's that quality of, of um, normalizing the fact that we keep falling off our ideal over and over. We, we, the way we become more virtuous is by failing. Failure is what makes us more and more virtuous. Because, and how, if we, um, if every time we fail at being virtuous, we hate ourselves, it makes it a really negative thing to want to do, you know, to even want to try, because you're, you, every time you fail, it's just a reflection of what an unvirtuous person you are. So that really careful practice of every time you fail, you know, I'm, I was at a... Um, gathering of friends, you know, and I found myself gossiping in a way uh, that, that I didn't want, you know, looking at it afterwards, it was like, well, I probably shouldn't have been doing that. And, and you know, there's that, that moment of, um, you know, being really okay with it, with the fact, okay, that's what I did. That is what happened. And so that it doesn't become this, this um, you know, turning against myself. I guess the difference between remorse and guilt you know, remorse says um, uh, your action, um, you know, needs to be corrected. Guilt says I need to be different than I am. So, um, so it's just really, you know, as Gil said, it's really staying light with how we fail 
as we continue to develop our virtue. So. Thank you. And um, so hopefully we've now uh, softened you up <laughs> nicely uh, for you to um, be willing to explore the, the obstacles that you have uh, towards being ethical, having integrity, being, living up from, from your virtue. Um, uh, and um, for those of you who are all, you can't imagine that you have any challenges, uh, you might want to get uh, much more nuanced in, uh, in exploring uh, what it means to take what's not given, for example. Um, you never interrupt someone in a conversation. If you interrupt someone, in some ways you're taking what's not given. And um, so, uh, so there's all kinds of subtle ways in which you can actually apply these that sometimes are very interesting to look at more deeply. Or do you never exaggerate? Um, that was the best restaurant in all of California. How would you know? You haven't been to all of them and, you know, but, you know, we get so enthusiastic with something we exaggerate for many different reasons. So is that, you know, so, so, uh, so there's, you can explore this at those kinds of levels, subtle and in very common ways which we kind of slip or it can be at the most gross level. Um, now as you do this discussion, uh, there's no need for you to reveal things about yourself that you don't want or don't think is wise to reveal. Uh, you could either, uh, if you feel like you have some challenge or obstacle to being ethical, that, um, you know, just, you know, too difficult to talk in this group about, then um, maybe you could uh, uh, say it in abstract ways. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm stealing from work, you know. <laughs> it's really hard to stop stealing from work. You say, you say some, you know, I don't know what you'd say. You say... You know. I am a friend. <laughs> 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 you'd rather say stealing, you could say, well, you know, uh, I have a strong impulse uh, <laughs> to, to, you know, to, to take things from work, you know, take things from other people. And you don't have to say you do it. I don't know. But you have to be honest, right, in your discussion. But just don't say it. Don't bring it up at all. If it's, you know, that's one way. But, you know, you don't, you don't have to reveal everything here. So as, as it's appropriate for you. Um, and, um, and so um, the idea for the discussion is to, uh, for you to meet in groups of five. And uh, I'm trusting that you know how to count off to five. Uh, some, some of these Dharma practice days in the past, it didn't seem that the f- some people had that ability. And uh, if, there are, uh, if we're left over with some you know, less than five number, I want you to sta- keep, st- keep standing and come towards me and I'll help figure out how to spre- <laughs> spre- spread, it, spread it out. And, um, but it's a group of the five. And what I'd like to do is um, have you go around and, um, and uh, say, uh, give, one, each, give one example, or not example, or give one statement or something. Say something about, about what's an obstacle for you in being m- more ethical. Uh, and then um, and when you finish that particular example that particular thing uh, then let someone else speak and you just go around the circle and ideally you'd go around the circle a number of times just go around and as you go around listening to each other um, you reflect on you're, you're naturally reflecting what they said and you're influenced by it and give new ideas new understandings 
and you're contributing to kind of to the, a group mind, a group process of exploring this topic. It's the, as you do this exploration, uh, see if you can uh, do it thinking that uh, you're not doing it as an individual. It's just up to you and how people think about you. Or you but you're actually doing it, there's a, there's a new individual that's present in your group of five. The sixth person there is the group, the group mind or the group process. And you're contributing to it, uh, to the exploration, to the development of the group understanding, by your offering into the circle. This is how I'm challenged by my ethics. This is how I'm challenged in being more virtuous than I'd like to be. And, um, and then, uh, you know, see how it goes around and around. Um, so is that, uh, is that clear enough? Any questions about it? We... And again, it's nice to spread around so we're not all bunched up in this room. So if you could uh, please uh, find uh, four other people to be with and um, I'll help the, the leftovers. So did you get all the obstacles taken care of? <laughs> so, um, so I'd like to hear from some of you what that was like. What was surprising for you? What was it like to be part of that process? And what new understandings did you come to? Is it on yet? Yes, it is. Um, I, I just, with the help of um, the group I was talking to, I'm, t I'm coming more and more to how it's, um, the obstacle seems like, uh, in each case, the lack of awareness of um, something, rather than that thing itself. And one example would be the uh, lack of awareness of, of, of a need that I'm feeling. Um, and it's, it's, in a way, it's not the need's fault. It's just that <laughs> I don't want to be aware of it that creates, um, say, an angry comment. Uh, if, if I were more open to awareness, then I wouldn't just um, come out with that, uh, with that comment. Yeah. And also conditioning... Uh, if I'm, if I'm aware of my conditioning. In other words, it's not the conditioning itself, but uh, how I'm viewing it and, and, and like how, how I try to uh, ignore it or, or let it up and struggle. You know, all of those things feed in. And so the, the, common, the, the common ground or the common denominator for this is the lack of awareness of something, yeah. not noticing. So That's the way what that I'm... And the greater awareness, then things stop becoming an obstacle. Right. But it seems like it takes more courage because that, that brings up then uh, stuff that seems like it wants to be struggled with. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but that again, you know, I, right now I'm thinking, well, that's, a, that's an idea that's uh, not necessarily true. Great. That, yeah, see, that's a piece right there, I think, that, <laughs> that, that I have this idea that it's going to be a struggle, and that's why I don't get, that one, why I don't open to the awareness of it. Interesting. <laughs> I recommend the process. <laughs>
So then behind you, Shirley. This came up in our group from a couple of people. One uh, has to do with speech. And uh, one of our participants said he likes to get a laugh when he tells a story. And I was saying that if I don't exaggerate, then I find that the story is boring. The worst of all possible sins, right? <laughs> so it's very difficult not to exaggerate and embellish when I'm speaking. Mm. So fear of boredom is an obstacle for you. Yes. <laughs> I wonder what uh, I wonder what uh, what uh, things what what other. Uh, uh, relatives in the family of boredom are also an obstacle for you. Like, for instance, like um, um, uh, fear about being fear of being uninteresting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not interesting, people won't like me. Sorry. I won't like myself. Oh, you won't like yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Someone else? Um, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. No. Um, somebody made a, a really direct connection between um, generosity and uh, sila, and how um, you know, f- feeling like there's abundance and able to give is. Helps to create that, and as opposed to where fear that there's not enough and scarcity um, causes us to um, lose lose mm-hmm. that. Yes, thank you. I saw a hand back there. Uh, yes. Well, first I wanted to say that this felt this discussion was much harder than the first one. The first one felt very open and sort of loving and 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 this one's tough. And our group I think kept getting back to fear. You know, whether you're f- afraid of being boring or uh, there's so many things we're afraid of and and so what you said courage it's almost like you need courage to f- to observe your own fear mm-hmm. and then have the courage to go move past it. Beautiful. And do you think that uh, exploring these obstacles in a group like this made you more courageous uh, or less courageous? It just, as you listen, you, it just feeds one on another. So on my own, I, I wouldn't have had the richness or as much struggle, I probably would have stopped. With you know, but this way, it, yes. And even you know, as we talk now, you just you just get little glimmers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yes, thank you. Yes, something came up for us with the fear. Um, when you have a fear of someone or someone who's powerful or you sense as powerful, and then you judge them. For me, I get very um, intense judgment, judgment about a figure that people are looking to as being powerful. That causes fear. So we talked about it as being maybe it's healthy fear because 
this could possibly harm others if this person became powerful. Does that does that make sense? I mean, that, at that, what point do you say this is healthy that I am judging this person? Oh, evaluating people is part of life. It's an important part of life to be evaluating the situation. Judge, ju- judging is evaluating and differentiating what's going on and being clear. What's the, the you know, that's fine. If judging means a certain kind of uh, 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 assigning worth to someone, you know, so I'm judging you because you're really a bad person. You're a terrible person. That's that kind of judgmentalism is not helpful. But it's very important to be dis- discerning and dis- discern wisely what's there and differentiate. What's happening? So, so how do you discuss with someone? So, so what a I mean, person you feel would be fearful, you know, or you're you're afraid that someone could take over, that would be very scary to a lot of people in the world or the nation or whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you? Um, <laughs> I'm not saying any names, but uh, <laughs> so 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 where do you go with that when you're talking to another person? Who maybe is on that person's... You say you're afraid. Okay. That's okay. I hope so. I'm afraid, but then they say, well, why are you afraid? Because I think the person's crazy? No, no, that's great. If if you're so lucky, if they come back and say, why are you afraid? You're so lucky to be able to be in dialogue with someone. And then you need to be very thoughtful about how you respond. Um, If you say, I think that person's crazy, you've you've lost the conversation. And but you come back and say, "Well, I'm concerned about uh, you know people I love will be dis- people communities that I love will be disrespected and and um, and uh, you know it'll be hard for them." So you, you, you're lucky. So be in dialogue. And then one thing to differentiate between is uh, between uh, fear and caution. And uh, uh, there are situations that we need to be very cautious. But we don't necessarily have to be afraid. And uh, some people confuse those two. And so they think the only option is to be afraid. But uh, sometimes you don't have to be afraid, but you can be very cautious. That person requires caution. So um, when I set up this discussion, I asked you to consider that there was a group process, this sixth person as part of it. Did some of you have a sense that there was, uh, that you were participating in that and something shifted as a... Was that interesting? Yeah. If we had more time, I'd love to hear what you thought about that. But I think we should stay on schedule. And uh, and the schedule says (laughs) that we uh, stop for lunch. So let's uh, take uh, about an hour. We'll start again here at one o'clock. And if you could, uh, those if you're new to this, what we do is uh, hopefully you brought a lunch. If not, there's places nearby you can get a sandwich at Whole Foods or something. But if you could, um, those of you who are new...